0: About identifying and developing potential in others. Meredith Fish, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from beautiful San Clemente, California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about identifying and developing potential in others. And it was super fun getting to chat with you in the pre-interview and just getting to know each other a little bit. You live where my wife is from. uh, Beautiful location. And and, uh, I'm always jealous. And especially this time of year when the snow... Starts to fall. Um, my <laughs> wife wants to run back to Saint Clemente, but but we're here, so <laughs> she she puts up with the snow.
1: Well, it's drizzly and rainy today, so you're not missing much today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good. Well, as we get started, I just wanted to share Meredith's bio with everybody. With 19 plus years of experience identifying and developing potential in others, Meredith Fish has learned her fair share of valuable lessons, but one stands above the rest. Companies need to be more human, weaving, empowerment, belonging, and engagement in every fiber of their employee experience. It's the vision of a workforce fueled by more than deliverables that makes her new role as VP of people and culture at WorkRamp the ultimate glass slipper fit. Now, combining her invaluable experience with insights, WorkRamp learned while building an award-winning culture, she sets out to help other organizations unlock the infinite power of lifelong learning and leading with heart. I love that idea of leading with heart. I love the idea of a more people-centric, human-centric organization. I'm super excited to chat with you about how we can identify and develop potential in others. Anything else you would like to share with the audience by way of your background, your personal context before we launch on into the conversation?
1: You know, I I kind of stumbled into HR accidentally and organically. So all these lessons are mistakes I've made along the way or things that I've learned through my general experience. So I'm so excited to share with others so they can make different mistake, mistakes and <laughs> I can learn from you as well.
0: Yeah. And well, that's the truth. We all we all make mistakes. Hopefully we just learn you know, from the missteps so that we don't repeat them and maybe share with others so that they can avoid some of the things that we do. And I think that's the best we can ever hope for. Ultimately, though, it's such a wonderful and empowering place to be in. You know, in this space where we're trying to shape and mold organizational cultures, create positive, healthy work environments where people can thrive, and to help others recognize and then develop their their potential. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what le- that's what leadership is all about, mm-hmm. and what gets me so excited. And, and uh, you know. Ready to jump out of bed in the morning, even though this morning it was a little bit harder to get out of bed. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's exciting to do this work, and it is also difficult and it's fraught to do this work, and so there's always this tension. Well, mm-hmm. with that as a kind of foundation uh, for the conversation, and I just wanted to ask if you could start by sharing with us a little bit of some of what you've learned over these 19 plus years, um, some yeah. of the biggest or most surprising lessons you've learned about recognizing and helping others to develop their potential?
1: Absolutely. So uh, every day I think I learn something new and I love the 19 plus years. It's actually been over 20, but that makes me feel so much younger. So we'll go with that. Um, It's so great to be able to work with so many different people. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that people underestimate their own abilities. I think we're all walking around with a little bit of imposter syndrome and they don't see how talented they are. So they might see themselves kind of slowly climbing up that corporate ladder. And after I get to know them, I visualize them like moving around the corporate lattice or the jungle gym like Spider-Man. So it's really up to all of us as coaches and leaders to draw out the best in others. And that starts by asking the right questions. So asking what motivates them, Uh, uh, getting out of bed every morning, you mentioned that leadership is one of the things that motivates you and really drilling in to understand not only what excites them, but what their biggest accomplishments are and drawing from that to help guide them in their careers. So I was coaching um, an individual when I was at Alteryx, and she saw herself kind of moving slowly up, you know, taking a senior role, and in working with her and learning what she was excited about, everything centered around helping others. So I put the bug in her ear. Have you ever considered leadership? And she started taking on assignments where she was maybe the project manager or leading a group. And those talents just naturally blossomed. Her leadership saw it and she was a leader within a year. She probably could have gotten there, you know, eventually without me putting that bug in her ear. But that's what I love about the ability to coach and work with others is helping them see their potential and their unrecognized talent.
0: Yeah. And like you said, we, I think we all have that. We all have our blind Mm -hmm. spots, um, whether it's imposter syndrome um, or we just literally just don't see it and other people see it. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think we all have those things. Sometimes we have this notion of like what leadership is or what talents are valued. And we, we, we don't feel like we fit that specific stereotype or that specific mold. And so then we think, oh, well, we're not really that great. Um, and the reality is, we need all types, uh, all shapes and sizes, all styles. Uh, there's there's no one right way to to lead. You know, there's no prototypical leader. Like everyone has to navigate that and 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 grow into their own potential. Uh, and everyone's journey is going to be unique. And everyone how that how that manifests for them and how they interact mm-hmm. with others is going to be unique. And you have to be authentic to yourself. Because otherwise it just falls flat. Nobody wants to follow somebody who is inauthentic and seems, you know, uh, like they're manipulative or like they're like, they're uh, just trying to put on a show for everybody. And so just be true to yourself and lean into it. And so the way I lead my team is going to be different than the way you lead your team. It just Mm -hmm. is, even if we have many of the same characteristics and traits and styles and you know, personality or whatever, and that's totally fine. And so I think a lot of times people, whether again, whether it's imposter syndrome, or whether it's just not seeing ourselves in the predominant narrative or the predominant stereotype. And so then we discount ourselves. And that's really unfortunate, Uh, helping people to recognize that there really are a lot of ways to do things and to do it successfully Mm -hmm. uh, is is a good first step, I think.
1: Absolutely. And she saw that, you know, she would have to do all these different things before reaching, you know, that leadership potential. And that's just not the case. You can be Spider-Man across the, the corporate ladder. Uh, you just have to know how to do it and what those those talents are and help have, have that network, have that village around you to help you get there.
0: Yeah. And maybe how do you go about establishing that so that you can get the the input, the the, the feedback that's going to be necessary to help you break down those blind spots, to help you see um, the potential within yourself. Uh, so it's one thing, you know, for me as a leader, hopefully I'm mm-hmm. self-assured, self-confident enough and self-reflective enough that I can start to see, um, you know, my potential and hope- hopefully lean into, you know, both my my strengths and my, my weaknesses. And uh, hopefully I can do that for myself um certainly hopefully i can do that for my team and if i model that kind of process that behavior for my team i think it makes it easier for them um but it can't just come from me because like you said in this particular instance you you put a bug in her ear uh, but my guess is other people also put bugs in her ear my guess is mm-hmm. she had you know a a, a group a, a support system uh, of people so how do we help develop that for our teams uh so that it's not just us saying it to them but they're also hearing it from their colleagues, you know, their coworkers, their teammates. Uh, and then they have other other mentors, coaches, people that can help them.
1: Absolutely. So I think that's the biggest mistake folks make in their careers, it's not establishing that village. So first, start with your leader. Ask them the questions. But, you know, we know there's some accidental leaders out there who might not have the skills. So if folks are getting the answers they want from their direct leader about how to evolve their career, they can start with going to skip levels, asking colleagues, asking others who they admire in the organization. So that's something that I had a leader actually ask me to do at one point in my career, and it was so helpful to identify who do I admire, not only leaders, but individual contributors, and going to them and asking them about their careers and asking them for advice and developing this organic mentorship and doing so in creating this um, kind of organic village. You know, many people expect leaders to just hand them a list, go talk to these people and they're gonna help you get to the right place. But it's really up to the individual, because like you said, we all lead and grow and have different interests and do things in different ways. So you need that coach, which is your direct leader. You need mentors who can be really anybody inside the organization or even outside the organization. You know, maybe there's somebody that you admire in a nonprofit you work with or in your religious organization or your neighbor down the street. Um, And then also those sponsors. So those individuals at work who can speak on your behalf when you're not in the room. So you need a combination of all of these different people in order to lift you up, provide you with the feedback and the guidance and connect you with others in order to help shape and mold your career.
0: I, I think also as we're thinking about this, it, it's important to recognize and remember that the, the nature of work is shifting. And so mm-hmm. what may have worked, you know for me may not work for younger millennials or Gen Z workers. Uh, or you know if you' if you're a leader in your 50s or 60s, almost certainly what you did that helped you to find success in your career is not going to be exactly what they're going to be doing no. <laughs> uh, because things have just shifted so dramatically and they continue to shift so dramatically. And of course, the pandemic has only accelerated us into that kind of shift. Um, and I think right now, you know, we're at all time low for trust in institutions, especially yeah. younger people. Uh, it makes it really hard when you're trying to, you know to develop a career and and carve out you know career pathways when you're cynical when you don't trust the institutions that you're working for and and you're you know even considering you know doing something completely different uh going the gig route or whatever uh how would you talk with particularly younger people although this this question applies to anyone really but um how would you talk to people who maybe th- their trust has been eroded uh how do you help facilitate and build that trust um you know, within this current work environment and as we move further into the future of work.
1: That's yeah, so tough because as you mentioned, you and I grew up in a time where we could run into somebody at the coffee machine and have just a really great organic conversation of that in which we learn about each other and we start establishing that foundation of a relationship. So we're always making deposits in that relationship piggy bank, right? And that can occur organically, like running into each other at the coffee machine. But now that we're all virtual, it has to be intentional. And that is so hard because you don't want to just call somebody randomly on Zoom or on Slack and talk to them. That's really awkward. So it's all about establishing that trust and starting small. So maybe asking somebody for a favor, or perhaps you admire something about an accomplishment someone had in the organization. An example is um, I was working with a sales person and they were really excited about a feature. And I suggested, why don't you, you know, schedule a couple minutes with that PM and just to get to know them and their career path and learn a little bit more about this and how they evolved their career. And it created a great cross-functional relationship. So taking those chances just to even drop a line and say, Hey, you know, saw this accomplishment in Slack. Um, maybe your company has a props channel or something like we do, and congratulating them. Just start small, start to build that relationship piggy bank. And then when you want to ask a favor or maybe have constructive feedback, you're going to make a, a small withdrawal. So it's all about intentionally creating those moments. And it takes work. And that's hard, right? Because we're, totally zapped at the end of the day with eight Zoom calls and, you know, just kind of craziness back to back. So uh, something that I like to do personally and I recommend to others is set 15 minutes aside a day or, you know, 30 minutes at the end of the week, just to do those reach outs, connect with folks in your organization or those you've made connections with outside your organization and want to continue to build upon that relationship. So again, it's all about being intentional and making time for it.
0: It's absolutely essential that we consistently give time to this and developing those relationships, building trust. And as leaders, uh, there may not be a more important thing we can do for our teams than to, to create that environment and that culture of mutual accountability and trust in our teams. Uh, We need to walk the walk. People need to know that we are people of integrity that they can rely on, that we're going to advocate for them and support them. And if we can't do that, uh, it's going to be really hard to have the trust necessary to help people be vulnerable enough to mm-hmm. explore uh, where they can build themselves. Because otherwise, it's too fraught. It's too dangerous. Uh, you, yeah. you will have individuals that will will wade out into the forest anyways, but many people will not. They will retreat. They will try to play it safe. and And that, I think, is the antithesis of growth and development. You know, when people are just Trying to play it safe, so let's let's really focus on creating that environment of trust. Now, I know you do a lot of work and talk a lot about this idea of work 2.0. Maybe you can describe that for us a little bit, uh, and then we can think about how work 2.0 will relate back to creating, you know, a culture of coaching and mentorship within organizations.
1: Yeah. So in my version of work 2.0, it's it, this virtual element or hybrid in some cases. And it's really that integration between work and family. So I know personally, I love that I can just pop out and do dance carpool, or I can go watch my son coach Friday Night Lights. Um, and it's so fulfilling and rewarding. However, we also, there, there's this element, it's kind of going on behind the scenes. My team's not seeing that they're not seeing me fail at trying to multitask all these things. And some days not feeling like the best leader or the best mom or even the best cat mom in some cases. So we all kind of put up this facade during our 30 minute one-on-ones or team check-ins. So I think there's also an element of this work 2.0 about vulnerability and showing up. And you mentioned this earlier, authentically. That you can't always have this polished version of yourself. You have to be honest with your team, with your colleagues about your struggles, your challenges, the obstacles you're trying to overcome, and that's really scary. However, without that, we're all these fake shiny robots (laughs) showing up to these calls, and that's just not sustainable. Also, that's not fun. You know, work, there has to be this element that you're showing up and We're not saving babies from the snow here. We're here to do work for important organizations, but we have to be real. So that's my version of 2.0, this integration, this being authentic, being real, and also showing up for others when they need it. So that's a lot easier if you already had this environment or this kind of culture of coaching, right? So those organizations who don't have the an opportunity to start really working on building that, and also the executives and leadership to model it.
0: You know, I can't help but just think of of personal examples, you know, uh-huh. experiences that I've had. I'm sure everyone listening, you know, or watching, you know, they they are thinking of similar types of examples, both good, bad, ugly, whatever. Um, you know, where we see this happening well, where we've seen it, you know, fall flat. Uh, I will know. I, I will note that for me, uh, when I'm thinking about my own leadership roles when I've been more successful uh, it has required me to open up. And that is scary. And it, you know, sometimes you're vulnerable and it's not reciprocated and sometimes people will use it against you. Um, Those things do happen, but it has been my experience consistently over time that when I'm, you know, appropriately vulnerable, not TMI, you know, (laughs) making people terribly uncomfortable, but when I'm appropriately vulnerable with people Then I seem real. I seem authentic to them. Um, Mm -hmm. It gives them permission to do the same to me. It demonstrates to them that I need them just like they need me. Like we're mutually uh, accountable, we're mutually uh, dependent and supportive of each other. Um, And I, I just see more commitment, more loyalty. I see more um, passion, more engagement, you know, people are just willing to, to dive into the messy stuff that has to get yeah. done or solved. And people are much more forgiving usually, um, because they, they know that you're trying and they know that you're not just putting on a show. They know that you're not just spinning it and, and, uh, and they, and they, they just trust you more. Uh, and when that trust is there, uh, then you just have more real dialogues. You have more real interactions and I don't want to, Act like this is everything's roses and peachy all the time. Now, of course not, because human interactions are always messy, but Mm -hmm. it it allows you to approach it in a much um, more genuine way that can lead to better outcomes. And so even when you're having disagreements and arguments, even when there's miscommunication and frustration, even anger, because you have a foundation of being real with each other, then you have the tools. Usually you have better tools Mm -hmm. uh, or you've built up the muscles to be able to deal with those tough situations. Contrast that with when all this hasn't gone so well, where you don't have that trust, where people are just putting on the mask, the facade, what you end up getting is you get a lot of people who are smiling, who are nodding, who -hmm. are kind of passive aggressive, They'll say the right things in the meeting and then they'll go and have the after meeting and then they'll mm-hmm. figure out what they're actually going to do or they'll say they'll do something and then not do it. And it's it's just toxic when you have that kind of an environment. So I would much rather have people who are a little bit up in your business, a little bit in your face at times, <laughs> uh, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable, but you just know you're being real with each other. I'd much rather have that than everyone sitting around the table, smiling at each other, acting like everything's fine when everyone knows it's not fine.
1: Just address the elephant in the room and you can start small, you know, in your team meetings, do a rose and thorn, you know, what was something that you were really proud of and went great this week? What was something that did not go so well and how can we help you? Um, I did not handle a conversation to the best of my abilities earlier this week and reflecting on it. I was like, gosh, I wish I would have done this or that. I talked to my team about it. I said, I want to tell you about this situation. I want you all to be able to learn from this. You know, here's the missteps. What would you all have done differently? And it was a great discussion where they weighed in, had some great insights. And also, I hope they, again, (laughs) to my earlier (laughs) statement, They'll go off and make different mistakes. (laughs) They won't make that same mistake. And that allows the door to open um, for your employees and again, colleagues too to come to you when things don't go great. And that happened this week. One of my direct reports came to me and said, I totally messed this up. And I was like, all right, let's work on this together and fix it. Whereas if we didn't have that established connection and relationship she probably would have just ruminated on it, try to fix it on her own. And it just would not have felt great.
0: I I'm thinking too of a, I guess it was the tail end of last week and I had a one-on-one set up with um, a member of my team uh, for Monday, but something had popped up kind of mid to, towards the end of last week. And I felt like it needed to be addressed. And I felt like if, if it wasn't addressed like if I waited till the one-on-one that was scheduled for Monday um, that what would likely happen is that he and, or I would spend too much time ruminating over it mm-hmm. um, over the weekend. And it would just not, you know, really be productive. It wouldn't be the best ah. way. And I'm like, so I just reached out, Hey, can we reschedule this? Can we do this? And and we moved it up a couple of days. We were able to have the conversation. We were able to get on the same page. We were able to um, kind of hash through th- some things that needed to be hashed through. Uh, and and I think it was very positive. And I think we both understood each other better um, because of the conversation. We didn't allow time for things to just fester. We addressed it head on. Um, now, I contrast that. And I, I'm, I'm not just trying to pat myself on the back here. Like, <laughs> I, I don't always do this perfectly, right? But I contrast that with times where I have seen leaders... Rather than having what may seem as an uncom- to be an uncomfortable or difficult mm-hmm. conversation, they'll they'll either completely ignore it, pretend like everything's fine when everyone knows it's not fine, they'll procrastinate, they'll completely put it off, uh, whatever. Um, I've seen that so many times over the years, and it almost never ends well. And so especially you know this particular individual, we have a good working relationship. In this situation, there were some potential conflict. It was not a super pleasant conversation that needed to be had, Um, but I knew we had a bank of trust built. I knew that um, he trusted me. I trust him. Uh, I know that he wants the best for the team. Uh, He knows that I want that too. And so we we had a foundation to start from that allowed us to get to where we needed to go quickly. And I think ultimately- um, You know, it allowed him to, uh, to do his best work towards the end of the week, probably not have to worry about this thing over the weekend. Uh, Me too. And, and so I'm just, I'm happy that I chose to uh, approach it that way instead of, you know, I think the default that many of us would often do myself included and just kind of let it go and kind of be upset and frustrated about it and like, let it go over the weekend. And then eventually things spiral, right. If you don't address them. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, this is one small little example uh, we I'm sure we could all think of many different examples in our own lives where we've done it well, where we've done it not so well um ultimately, though, if my goal as a leader is to help my people identify uh, recognize and then lean into and their own potential and to develop that potential, if that's my primary goal as a leader even when there's difficult conversations, even though, you know, I may have to have those uncomfortable dialogues at times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to push on people in ways that they're not necessarily comfortable. If that's my main goal as a leader, even when I'm not perfect, people will tend to give me the benefit of the doubt. They'll tend to um, uh, be generous with me and, and they'll know that I have their best interests at heart. Right.
1: Exactly. And you can't identify and pull out the best in people until you have that relationship established. You know, I can't randomly call up one of the folks at work ramp and say, you know what, I think you'd really be great at X. We might not have that relationship established. So that's the foundation. You have to have that trust. And then when you suggest something that seems totally off the wall for their career, they're going to be more willing to listen and lean into it. So that those little things, you can't just, you know, change a culture overnight, but each one of us has the chance to do these little things every day to start changing the culture in our own teams, our own relationships, and talking to our peers about what we're doing and how it's successful. And slowly you'll start seeing that evolution over time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Meredith, this has just been a really great conversation. I note the time, I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Great. So um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, my name, my last name is really easy, Fish, just like the fish that swim, and I'm happy to um, connect with any of you about this topic and others. We... Our WorkRamp website is great um, to kind of direct you about our product and our teams. And this is really something that we're doing right now at WorkRamp. We are establishing this foundation of trust and connectiveness, and we're starting by creating just some basic education. Um, It's great that I work for a platform that allows me to create content so um, we're creating guides about feedback and about psychological safety and how to connect with people and doing it in bite-sized pieces because, like I mentioned before, we're all doing different things. You know, it's gone are the days where you have folks sitting in a room for four hours teaching them an in-person training. They need to be able to, you know, throw a load of laundry in and pause the session that they're watching. So check it out. Lots of great information on workramp.com. Overall, I want folks to take away from today that they have the power to create these little connections every day, learn more about people, and draw out the best. Ask lots of questions, make the suggestions, connect people with others who can help them get there.
0: I love it. Thank you, Meredith. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Meredith and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support.